Welcome to the podcast, Bringing Truth to Life, where we talk about what the scriptures say that can help you get unstuck from the thorny issues of life and encourage you to live the life you've been wanting to live with Christ. Our speaker today is Henry Clay. We are in a series called Having a Grand Time. For seniors who are adjusting to retirement and aging, May this be helpful to you, and may it also give you truth to share with those you seek to encourage. The title of our talk is Having a Grand Time, and last week we talked about how you start off in life with a can't, then you more and more can as you learn to walk and do different things and feed yourself, etc. You go to school, and then finally you're You've trained in your profession or you're a mom or whatever, and there's this big can. Of course, you're exhausted doing everything that you can, but anyway, you're, you're doing a lot of things. And then, then it begins to slack off, both uh, just by the passing of the years and different physical things, and finally you get to the stage where you can't anymore. And we talked about that that's only looking at it in a physical way. And, uh, but in this period of time, when, when you're in a physical way, kind of uh, in some ways decreasing in your abilities, that spiritually it can be a time really where things take off. And we looked at several different examples in the Bible where that was the case with uh, Moses and with Abraham, all people 75, 80, 90, 100, that this was the way the Bible pictures that time in their life. And today in the next three Sundays, where I told you we were going to talk about four things, hats, hurdles, prisons and keys, and today we're going to talk about the battle of the hats. Okay? So I showed you all the hats I have here, and hats we're using as a figure of speech to talk about roles or jobs that you've had in your life. You've heard somebody saying, well, I'm wearing, a, I'm wearing several hats now. They don't mean that they've got several hats on their head. They mean they have several different responsibilities or jobs that they're fulfilling. Now, I promised you I was going to look for the, where that quote was. Because I said, uh, you know, I mentioned Winston Churchill said during the Battle of Britain, he says that this is their finest hour. And uh, to begin to trust God that this period of time in our lives would also be our finest hour. I told you that when I, about 22 years ago when God gave me what I feel like are my life verses in Psalm 71, the title of Psalm 71 says the prayer of an old man. So I've been thinking about this a long time. This has a lot more to do with me than it does with you. And I found that quote yesterday. And it says, uh, this was after the Dunkirk evacuation uh, on my birthday, June 18th, in 1940. So we're almost exactly, to, at this time of year, Winston Churchill said this, Let us therefore brace ourselves to our duties, and so bear ourselves that if the British Empire and Commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will still say, this was their finest hour. And we're going to live forever. But even after a thousand years... When we look back with the saints and the angels, and they look at our lives and he says, yes, but that was their finest hour. And we want to believe God for that. That can be a time of victory or a time of defeat. Uh, the, the Bible says the mind set on the flesh is death, and it's discouraging and it's depressing. But the mind set on the spirit is life. So let's pray and ask God to help us with the battle of the hats. Lord, we turn our hearts toward heaven today. We thank you that you are a very present help in time of trouble. And we all got ready for church today and we put on our clothes and we washed our face and did our hair the best we could. 
But Lord, there are things in our hearts we couldn't touch that, that are hurts, that are very deep, that are worries, that are fears, anxious thoughts and frustrations that uh, no amount of changing clothes or shaving or things can, can make a difference. But you can make a difference. And we ask that you would speak to our hearts in a wonderful way today and bring in a springtime into whatever part of our heart that's in winter. And we're asking it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I told you, my, uh, my reflection over the last 22 years about uh, getting ready to be old uh, and for my life, you know, I think what's the problem with this thing that we call old age? The problem is it comes too soon. And you also realize it's not the truth. You always thought that when you got to be what you considered old, you'd be old. And you get to the point where other people at least think you're old, and you're still not inside in your head. You're just the same person you ever was. And you think, well, this is so strange. I asked one time when I was 42, uh, I had a guy working on the house, and, he, and we were eating lunch together, and he says, well, he said, how old are you? And I said, uh, last time I ever said this to anybody, he, I said, well, how, how old do you think I am? I'll never do that again. He, he, said, he said, 54? And I realized my mistake. Sometimes you're fishing, you know, but when, when the wrong fish comes up, you give up fishing. So you realize that once you get to where other people think you're old, uh, that you don't feel that much different. In fact, you feel pretty much the same. I still say the same silly jokes and think the same strange thoughts that I did 30 years ago. But now the only difference is I'm just stiffer in the morning when I get up. But I'm really the same person. And when you are in this point where enough of, has dropped off of your abilities, either to see or hear or remember or walk or run or play sports or whatever, you realize that, uh, but in your mind, who you really are, that you're not old. And the fact is, God doesn't, will never view you as old. He can't, because he's so much older than you. You're, it, God will always view you as a little shaver. He will always view you like you were back when you had freckles and if you were a girl pigtails, or back when you were a boy, you didn't even shave, and you would get into messes, and you'd carry toads around in your pocket, and all these things. That's how God will see you until your last day here on earth. So you know you're not old. You never will be. And God knows you're not old. You never will be. But we still have to deal with the world that looks at us and says, oh, you know, they're telling me my hair's getting all white, my stomach's going out, I, I need to stand up straight. Uh, it just, the list gets bigger and bigger, doesn't it? And so, you know, you're receiving from people, you know, you go in and say, well, I think you qualify for a, a senior citizen discount, you know? It's, you know? He said, wait a minute, this happened a little soon. You know, I'm happy to save money, but I would rather it be because of something else. So I just want you to know, if I ever mention that bad word, old, I'm only thinking about me. I'm not thinking about you. Okay? Just for the few weeks we're together, with all respect, I'm viewing you and trying to view you is the way God views you. Like you have about, you're about three years old. Now, you have much more respect than that. I respect you. But, um, but God views you as a little child. And we want, to, we want to grow stronger in the way he views us because that will make us more equipped to face everything that we need to face with him. Now, we want to build all this on a verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is that wonderful chapter that talks about that there's a time for everything under heaven. Verse 1 says, there's an appointed time for everything. 
There is a time for every event under heaven. And then it goes into this long list, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, etc. And then in verse 11, he, he, he gives kind of a summary statement, and he says, He, God, has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity in their heart. So we see both time and eternity. As we go through time, there are, there are things that in their own time are appropriate, different hats, different roles. What are some different hats and roles? You, you start off in life with no hats. You're born with no hats. There's nothing they're expecting of you other than they're hoping you're going to live. And be quiet every once in a while so everybody can get some sleep. And then finally you get the hat where you can walk. And you feel pretty good about that. And then maybe you can run and then you go to school. And, uh, and then you get, get, go to do sports, you know. And you've got all of these different things you're adding. And then, then at times you take off a hat so that you can put on another hat. You, you finish high school so you can go to college. And then you graduate from college so you can go to work. Okay? And then you have a family or you get married, you have children. And so you have these different hats. So at the beginning you start off with no hats. And then bit by bit you start putting on hats and switching hats. But down by the end of the time, you're taking off hats and you're not putting them back on. So that when you finish up, you're once again with no hats. God has made everything appropriate in its time. And this process here where we go from can't, can, big can, little can, can't again. When we start off, we're putting on hats. More and more, here's where we have the most hats on. And we're thinking, oh, one day, I you know, the kids will be big and I can retire. <laughs> well, then, well, then the kids are big and you're retired and you think... Hey, this isn't as much fun as I thought it was going to be, you know? And you're thinking back to when you had all those hats on. And you were busy and you could do all of these things that now you, you can't do or nobody wants you to do. And the only thing that's left is things that nobody really wants, you know? Uh, pending operations, dietary restrictions. I remember when my dad couldn't eat wheat, you know, and he eating these awful-looking rice crackers. And, and you think, good grief, you know, I waited all my life for this. This is awful. And I want to talk about the emotional situation we go through as we take off the hats. You know, as we give up roles or say goodbye to those roles, it might be the role of, of parenting. Uh, you went through so much for those kids. Or if you didn't have a child, maybe you had a nephew or, you know, we're all involved with children in some way. And there's a period of time when we're more involved and then a period of time when we're, they kind of, move on to other things. They, they get big. And they become adults and they have their own lives. And you, you kind of have to take that hat off. And that's a hard hat to take off. Now they've married somebody. They live somewhere else. They call. Sometimes. Uh, you're the one that has to call most of the time. Yeah, they wrote you. Must have been three years ago. You're always writing them little notes. You're always thinking about them. You can tell they don't think very often about you. And then, well, hey, wait a minute, you know? You know, and you go through your mind, all you did for them. And, I mean, it's not, not you don't have to do anything for me, but how come you're not? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know, it's, it's a confusing thing. And then you go through work, and you get a job in your earlier years, and you're wondering if you're going to make it. Then you do make it, and you get a promotion, another promotion. Finally, you're the big poobah, the big president of something. 
and, and then they have a party and you retire, and there's this, they forget you. The company moves off without you. I said, hey, wait a minute, you know, do you know who I am? Well, you're not that anymore, and we, we love you, but uh, we don't care what you think. You have your trophy, your pin, company wristwatch, and uh, you don't exist anymore, you feel like. Well, hey, I was, I mean, it was just not, not that long ago I was there. I mean, you're only where you are because I got you there. I mean, you, could, you should ask me. I've got all this wisdom now, and nobody's asking me any questions anymore. And taking off that hat is so hard, so much harder than we thought it was going to be. Why? Because we, we were so tired in this middle phase, we just wanted a rest. And so uh, way up in the distance, we could see this rest where we could just not have all of this responsibility, this crushing load, this long do list. And so we finally get to the place of the rest, but we don't have any of our hats anymore, and we can't enjoy our rest because we're thinking back to when we were somebody. When I was dad, when I was mom, when I was president, when I was leading the community, when I was, if somebody was in politics or in the military, and you think back to the days of Camelot and the days of your glory, when just with a wave of your hand, whole crowds would, well, maybe not, but, but <laughs> always looks better when you tell the story, doesn't it? But as we begin to take those hats off, something happens in us often. We can get grumpy, depressed, demanding. We can even get bitter toward God and toward our loved ones. And we can make it even harder for them because the fact is God has made everything appropriate in His time. And there's a time to put on that hat and there's a time to take off that hat. And somehow emotionally we have not been able to take off that hat. But I'm your mother! I'm your dad. Yes, yes, but now I'm an adult. I'm 50 years old, dad. <laughs> now think about it. Why has that been so hard? Why is it so hard to take off those hats? Well, there are lots of reasons. I, I think one reason is you just get used to life a certain way. And the more you've been doing it that way, that's the way you like to always do it, except it's tiring. So in some ways, you're glad to take off the hat. But in other ways, you're saying, what? well, I, don't, I just don't hardly even know what to do with myself now. I used to be so busy, and well, yeah, I can putter around. I mean, I, I don't know. I can plant a garden, or well, then my back went out. And, and I could, you know, I, I, but I think another, a big reason, a big reason why it's so hard for us to take off those hats is that we've become confused in terms of who we really are. We think, if I don't have that hat on, no, nobody really knows who I am. The president, or the mom, or the senator, or just the deacon, the elder. And too often we have defined who we are and what our worth is by what we do. That's the problem when we stop doing those things. Even though it's, it's appropriate in its time, it's the time to stop doing it. But I feel like something died in me. Why? Because without knowing it, during, the during my time when I had those hats, that's who I understood myself to be. And I want to tell you this morning, and I tell myself this morning, you're more than the hats you've worn. 
God doesn't look at you primarily in any of the roles you've had in business, politics, family, church, any of the jobs you've been able to do. Like I said, you're always his three-year-old. You didn't have any hats when you were three, not, not to really accomplish anything. You could make a lot of messes. You, couldn't, you weren't that helpful. God will always view you that way. And in his eyes, your worth is the exact same. We're the ones that have to adjust. You are more than the hats that you've worn. And because of that, now we should be able to take off those hats and say, God has made everything appropriate in its time. I praise God that I could have been a parent. I thank God that I was able to work, serve in my community, have a position in my church. Thank God for that. And now it's the time to take that hat off. That hat was never me. And now I can move on to other things that God has for me. Maybe, but it won't necessarily be in the form of hats. It's one thing, it's, easy to, it's easier to change hats if you're going to put on a bigger hat. I was a deacon, but now I'm an elder. Well, that's okay, you know, that's, that's all right. But how, come, how about if I'm an elder, and uh, now for one reason or another, they don't want me to be an elder anymore. Or either, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm already at the point where I just can't. You see, now, nobody in here is in this place that can't, because you got here this morning. See? So every, we're all in the can here, okay? But someday we're all going to be in the can't, and every hat will have come off. Every hat will have come off. And at that point, this can be a very frustrating moment if you think that your life and your worth and your value and who you are is wrapped up in the hats you used to wear. That's not you. Never was you. It just was so absorbing that you, you kind of got into it. That's okay. But God has made everything appropriate in its time, and this is a new chapter. And for my good, and for the glory of God, and for every, all of my loved ones, for their good, when the time comes to take off any one of those hats, because we're still wearing some hats. There's some hats we've taken off, and the others we're going to have to take off. But when the time comes to take off a hat, say, praise the Lord. That's okay. God has made everything appropriate in its time. There's a time to put on the hat, and there's a time to take off the hat. Now, one reason why that's so important is you're, you live with a group of people. You have family. They may or may not live close to you, but you're in contact with some family. You have neighbors. You have fellow church members. And if you cling and fight over these hats, you make yourself a very difficult person to live with. Grumpy, demanding. But what's going on there? It's because there's that fight to hold on to some of the glory of a hat. But if you can just say, God, if this is the time to take off the hat, I accept it from your will. Uh, that doesn't make it easy. It just makes it clear. It's still going to be hard. All adjustments hard. I'm, we're not talking about, no, I'm just going to throw that hat off and I don't care. Yes, you will care. It, it, it hurts. It's hard. All transitions are hard. My, my kids just got braces put on. They were groaning for a week. Oh, oh my mouth hurts. You know? uh, it was a transition. And there had been a time for crooked teeth and fangs, and now there's a time for straight teeth. 
and the process is painful. We're not the only ones that go through pain. It happens all through our lives, doesn't it? But if we can understand what God is doing and what God is looking for, it gives us a, a, a focus, a compass point to sail toward so that at least we're not confused and we're not in despair. We have hope because my father is at work. It's okay. And we're trusting that, that as we take off our hats, that this can be our finest hour. This isn't just something just to make it through. It can be a whole different chapter. So I want to talk about a couple of truths that can help us. A couple of truths that can help us that we see in this little passage in Ecclesiastes. I'm not preaching on a whole book or a whole chapter, not even a half a chapter. It's just one verse. He has made everything appropriate in its time. I'm going to say it one more time, and then I want you to try and say it with me. I'm going to say it now. He has made everything appropriate in its time. Now you try it with me. He has made everything appropriate in its time. Again, he has made everything appropriate in its time. One more time. He has made everything appropriate in its time. So the two truths we get out of that is that everything has its time, its beginning and its end. And during that time, that's fine, that's good. We're not, we're not saying, oh, oh yes, it was awful to have ever been a parent or, or to have ever worked or have ever served in my church. No, it was appropriate in its time. And the second truth is everything is temporary. It's only an illusion that we think we can hold on to anything in this earth. Everything is temporary. And so the true woman of God, the true man of God, learns to take it when it's God's time and release it when it's not his time. Why? Because that's not my life. My life is in him. So many times we've tried to get life, suck life out of our position, our job, our tasks, and it, sometimes more satisfying than other times. And then we've got to release it. We say, oh, I'm dying. I can't stand this. Jesus says, not even when a man produces an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. Not even when we have a lot of things in this earth, whether it be things or fame or positions or jobs or roles, does our life consist of that. He is our life. But too often we let our yesterdays rob us of our today. And more and more, just as a young person often loses their present thinking about the future. They're thinking, oh, I can't wait to get married, to have a job, to make money. Yes, but you're only six years old. You know, and he's, he can't do anything now because he's waiting to when he, what kind of a 20-year-old is he going to be if he waited for 15 years? He's going to be a horrible husband and a horrible worker because he never got an education. He was just waiting. The same mistake can be made on the other end of that, that hill in the small can that we're all in. When you're looking back, it's, oh, I remember when I could run a mile. And now I can't even get up the stairs. And I remember back when I was leader of the elder board of the deacons. And, and, uh, and I remember when, when I have all my kids around the table. And I remember, don't let your yesterdays rob you of your today. 
No, it doesn't mean you forget it. No, no, no. I just mean don't be dragging it around like a ball and chain. Today is its own day. So what, but when you think about, yes, but what, how is God viewing this? What, what, what is he getting at here? I mean, why couldn't we have just finished in a blaze of glory? Well, that's called a car wreck. You know, we didn't, want a, we didn't want a car wreck, you know, when we were 25, when we were at our peak, and we're up, up at the top, and then we're gone. Uh, that's called sudden death, and we were always terrified of that. You know, so I could, I'm going to get in a plane, and it's going to crash. Said, but you want to go out in a blaze of glory. You want to go out at the peak of your strength. Well, no, I don't like that either. <laughs> what is going on? What is God looking for here at this point? point where we're taking off hats and the rest of the world is trying to think well when they get to the point where they can't do what they're doing how are we going to fill their spot we're sort of insulted that they would even think about that uh, ahead of time and it's like kind of shoving me off uh, before my time but what's God thinking he's not thinking that God's not thinking well when this person gets too infirm to do anything who, who else am I going to get he's in this with you forever. He's never, you're not disposable to God. This is a forever relationship. This is just one more chapter to him. But there are three things he's looking for during this period of time that if we focus too much on our yesterdays, we might miss it. Three things that are much more attainable in this time of our life than in any other time before that. The first thing is prayer. Prayer. Now, you've been busy You've been running around and getting school and chasing girls or boys and, and then having girls or boys, you know, a family and trying to make a living and paying the taxes, et cetera, et cetera. You've been busy. How'd your prayer life go in that period of time? Well, uh, you know, I, I said the grace before lunch and, uh, and I'd pray at church and, uh, you know, this tiny, tiny little thing. We were serving God and we maybe reading the Bible, maybe studying, but prayer for many people during this period of time, because of the busyness of life, has gotten crowded out. And in this period of life, God says, we're going to do something about that. You didn't have time to pray, you're going to have time to pray. Why? Because you're taking off hats. This hat took 40 hours a week. You've got 40 hours. Now, you don't have to give it all to me. Hey, <laughs> but... Uh, you needed time to pray? You've got to have some time to pray here. Now, prayer is the very first thing you learn when you're a child. Uh, you, you got, many of you got grandkids. Don't you love them to say the grace? They don't say it right, you know? You can't even have, amen, you know? You, don't, you hope God knows what they said because you sure don't know what they said. They said, do it again, do it again. I love it. First thing a person learns in their life is how to pray. And the last thing, even when it says you can't, with prayer you can. Prayer is always a big can. And that's the last thing that you will still have. And that's why at this point, one of the main things that needs to become stronger and firmer and more like steel in you is a vision for speaking with your Heavenly Father. Now, that would be another couple of classes, and we, we may do that some other time. Another thing that God is looking for at this point in our life is to help us grow in humility. 
because when we were wearing those hats, we were something, man. I mean, we, our hair was slicked back. People had to respond to what we said. And, and we, we did it with all humility. But we knew when we walked into that room, they knew we were somebody. Now I come into the room and not even an eyebrow raises. This is a humbling experience because I can't do the things I used to do that would get applause and recognition. Now, you know, as I get to closer to the cant, if I can even show up, I should get a medal. But nobody's going to give me one. God is. God's excited. God's watching you all the time. And even though the earth and people aren't applauding, there are many times when God will applaud for you. Those little victories. Just a little victory to take off that hat and say, God, nobody else knows what I have gone through with this. But now I surrender that to you. And I, nobody's going to clap for me. Nobody's going to even know to give me a medal. But Lord, I do it for you. And all heaven applauds you. That's a real victory. God is working at helping us to get a sane estimate of who we are. Because this is a very humbling time of life. To, whether it be with job or family, to just feel like to some, in some way you've been left in the dust. And you're just so much more reminded as your, your body gives you problems and complaints. You're so much more reminded of your humanity before you could run and, and feel good for having done it. Now you're afraid you have a heart attack. You know, I got out there with playing tennis with my boys, and I, I hadn't played in about 20 years. That's not a good idea. You know, I'm running around with these teenagers. <laughs> Without, within 10 minutes, I was gasping for breath, sweating. I came home, my face was beet red, and I thought, this is just the beginning, man. You know, it's downhill from here. And, uh, and it was humbling. And my tendency was to say, well, back when I was on the tennis team, man, you know, well, who cares, you know? They just have to take my word for it, and, and it doesn't matter anyway, because I'm not on the tennis team now, and nobody's going to want me on their team. It's humbling. That's good. Because as I get smaller in my own estimate, there's room for God to get bigger. And third thing that God's doing is he's reducing us back to childhood. Why would he do that? He says the kingdom of heaven is only open for little children. You must become like a child. And God gives us a hand with that. Because you get more and more to where eventually other people have to do things for you, just like at the beginning. Except it's much more embarrassing at the end. You didn't know at the beginning. You thought, well, I guess this is just what they do. You know, they just come in and, you know, clean you up and put food in your mouth. <laughs> but then you get to the end where back where you, for years you did that, and now somebody else has to do that. You are kidding. No. But there's no alternative because for whatever reason, maybe you can't do it. And you have reverted to your childhood. And at that point, instead of thinking, oh, I'm so old, you think, God is making me his little child. And even if I get to eventually where I'm just like the thief on the cross, and all I could do is say, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. So unable to accomplish anything for himself, the thief on the cross. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. 
He restores our childhood. And we can either make that a good experience or a bad experience. If we insist on being childish, it's going to be hard for everybody. And, and maybe some of you have gone through in the last 20 years a situation with your parents where they went into that second childhood and they were not childlike, humble and kind and sweet, but they were childish and demanding. And you thought, I don't ever want to be like that. Well, we can still always become like that if, if we don't let God work in our lives. We're all in the same boat. We're all in this can here. But we need to understand what God's doing. He's trying to help us to learn to pray. He wants us to grow in humility. And he wants us to be more childlike. Keep things simple. My Father's in heaven. If we need anything, we're going to pray. I can't, but he can. Well, let's move to a conclusion here. We can either fight or we can cooperate in this process with the hats. We can either fight over the hats, the battle of the hats, or we can, as we already said, when the time comes to take off the hat, take it off. Not just physically, but emotionally. Say, that chapter's over, and it's okay. It was a good chapter. We got a new chapter now. We don't want to miss, miss out on today because we're so tied up with our yesterdays. So I want to suggest two things. One, make the most of what you have today. Make the most of what you have today. Let those old hats go. That's not the real you anyway. It was just, a t just for a season. The battle is up here. It's in your mind. But you can make yourself pretty miserable if you don't view things the way God's viewing it. And secondly, make time for God. Make time for God. I remember talking with a, a very well-known navigator staff speaker who's spoken in 110 countries of the world, and he came down to speak to us to give our Congress on disciple-making. And I don't know how old he is. Uh, he was, I'm sure he's in his 70s. And I think he was at the beginning of some debilitating condition. I don't know if it's Parkinson's or what. But uh, this once dynamic and powerful speaker who's spoken to maybe millions of people, given radio broadcasts and all that, he had to stand up there almost clutching the podium and read verbatim off of his notes where the type was in real large type and basically just read the whole thing. Only 30 minutes long. And then I walked with him to the, to the room where we had our stuff. And he took off his coat and he took off his shirt and he took off his undershirt and we could wring the sweat out of it. It took everything he had to just read that those little notes that he had. And I asked him, because the navigator's real big on having a quiet time, a devotional time, a time of reading in the Bible and praying. And I said, well, what do you do for your quiet time? And he says, well, I don't have that many speaking engagements anymore, and I think ours was one of the last he ever had. So I get up in the morning at about 8 and go into the library, and... I sometimes stay there all day, reading his Bible and praying. Now, this was a man who had a big hat. He was the international something for the navigators. And now he's taken, had to take off his hat. And he made more time for God.
And I have a feeling that if we do things like that, we make it a whole lot easier, not just for ourselves, but for everybody around us that has to take care of us. There's a lady in, uh, I told you about last time, in Savannah that I'm just fascinated with. Uh, she's 84 or something. And uh, she was the one that I told you I, I met. She was coming into church with her walker very, very slowly, and bent over and had, had a hip operation and was probably in pain. And, and she hadn't seen me in about 10 years. And, and she said, Henry, how are you? Rejoicing? Uh, the Lord has promised to do great things, and he is fulfilling it. And I just wanted to slither between the cracks of the, of the sidewalk. I thought, I'm just not even worthy to be with this person. You know, I, I don't think I was rejoicing. And, uh, and I thought, that's her finest hour. And she has about, she can't go out to shop for herself, and she has to have a number of girls that volunteered to come in and help her. She says, those are my girls, and I'm discipling them. And you, you, it's almost like they, there's a line out there just to get to be with this, this lady. Why? Because of her? No. The outer man is decaying, but in her case, the inner man is being renewed day by day. It's stronger, it's firmer. I mean, it's up here at the top. That's contagious. God can do things like that in your life. Exodus 33, 7 talks about Moses. Moses was over 80, and he said, Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp. This is not the tent where he slept. Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. He didn't meet with any person there. He met with God there. Moses had a tent. He had a place. He had a time where he would go just to be with his father. Do you have that? How is your tent of meeting? Is God becoming more important to you? Is your fellowship growing deeper and stronger? That as your body is more limited, as mine is, that your spirit is more exercised? And that even if maybe other people don't notice or aren't impressed, God notices. You know, when Job got through all of those trials, and you're going to go through deep waters too, and I will too, Job went through horrible water. So all of his kids died. Instead of him dying, his kids died. And he, and he financial ruin and the loss of his health. And his, and his friends are saying, well, you must have had some secret. You must have a woman on the side. I mean, God's obviously disciplining you. And at the end, God clears it up. And God rebukes those three friends. And he says, you better bring a sacrifice and let my servant Job pray for you. Because I'll, I'll hear him. I'm not going to listen to you guys. I'll hear Job's prayer. Job was known in heaven. When uh, the seven sons of Siva tried to cast out that demon in the book of Acts, and the demonized man leapt on him and beat him all up, bloody and bruised, and said, I, I adjure you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the demon said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Paul was known in hell as a man of God. God can give you a stronger relationship with him, a stronger prayer life. This is the time to move mountains. A friend of mine in Argentina, I've learned so much from, 
They came over from Italy after World War II, and they'd seen terrible things there during the war. And her mother, uh, about five years ago, at age 95, was going to buy groceries. Slowly, across the street, a bus ran over her, turning. Ran over her, mangled her leg. They tried to save it. It got gangrenous. They cut it off. And they just brought her home. They did everything they could for her, but it was obvious she was dying. And her daughter, Rena, would sometimes hear her at night. And she'd go in and say, Mom, are you, are you okay? She says, oh, yeah, I'm fine. Uh, well, but I, but I heard you know I'm fine, so she'd go back. And then she'd hear her again. She'd go back and say, Mom, you in pain? No, no, everything's fine. And so the next time she went back, she just listened, because she knew her mom was saying something. She thought, well, what's she saying then? She's not saying it hurts. Over and over again, she was saying, Gloria a Dios, Gloria a Dios, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, all hours of the night. Survivor of a world war, run over by a bus, your leg chopped off, you're dying. This was your finest hour. Your finest hour. Another thing that Winston Churchill said, and we'll bring this to a close, do not let us speak of darker days. Let us speak, rather, of sterner days. These are not dark days. These are great days, the greatest days our country has ever lived. You were born for this moment. Don't get locked onto your yesterdays. Let's lift up our hearts that God would do something great in our hearts spiritually during this time in our life. And even if nobody else notices, Heaven will notice, and heaven will applaud. Let's pray. Lord, we have enjoyed certain hats, and others maybe not as much. We've enjoyed certain roles and jobs we've had, and others not as much. But we've also noticed that at times we have to take off a hat and stop doing a particular role, and it was harder for us than we thought. We're sorry, Lord, if we've made it hard on other people. And right now, before you, no one else being able to read our thoughts, we surrender the hats that we've had to take off. Maybe it was a job, maybe it was parenting, maybe uh, it was a particular position. And we just recognize today that God has made everything appropriate in its time. It's okay. It was okay in its time, but now I'm in a different chapter. And help me to focus today, Lord, on the things that you have for me today, to grow in prayer, to grow in humility, to make time for God. Help me, Lord, in the battle of the hats to win heaven's applause. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on Bringing Truth to Life. If the message has encouraged you, please subscribe and give us a review. This helps more people find our podcast. We hope you'll join us again for the next podcast of Bringing Truth to Life.